Hello, everyone. This is Nishchal Dua, and welcome to the Remote Work Summit. On the panel now, we have Matt, the co-founder and director of Boldly. It's a remote staffing company. Boldly itself is 100% remote, and it has a team of 120 that's distributed across North America and Europe. Welcome to the summit, Matt. Thanks very much, Nishchal. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure, Matt, having you here. And I think we could really learn a lot from you on what are the best practices of hiring remotely, because that's what a lot of companies on the summit are here to learn as well. So thank you for talking to us today. So Matt, let's just quickly start off with a, a brief background and you can just tell us about, a bit about yourself and about Boldly and just give us a brief idea of what is it that you guys do? Yeah, sure. So Boldly is a remote staffing company. We specialize in, in what we call subscription staffing uh, or what we actually like to call rock stars as a service. So we uh, employ a team of very talented marketers, executive assistants, project managers, and these are people that have 10 to 15 years of experience in their area, area of specialty. And basically companies come to us because they're looking for very high-end high uh, remote talent. Uh, and so we uh, basically support them by assigning our team into their business uh, to, to make a real difference. My, my own background, uh, we, we realized early on uh, that for our business to be really successful, it was going to take two things. One, amazing talent, and two, great technology to support that talent. So, and, uh, Matt, I see that Boldly has been around for a better part of a decade now. And I, I think you must have ch seen plenty of changes and plenty of trends coming and going over the last decade in this industry. So what do you think the future looks like? What do you think about the, the whole concept of remote work in the first place? Well, I think that no one can argue with the fact that remote work as a force is here to stay and, it, and it's moving forward with its own uh, with its own energy. I mean, I think we've gone from a perception of remote work, at least at a corporate level, with a little bit of suspicion and a little bit of wondering what our team are actually doing when they're at home, to there being now enough performance studies for, for everyone to recognize that in many ways it's the in-office teams that are less productive than their, their remote counterparts. So I think there's a, a recognition and a credibility for remote work now. I think there's also a shift in the sort of uh, power structure of hiring. So with the economy the way it is, I think uh, staff and employees are able to ask for more. Um, companies have to offer more in order to retain and to attract the best talent. And so one of the most popular things that people ask for is to be able to work remotely, uh, to be able to have a bit of a flexible schedule. And so that's uh, taking effect as well. But I think actually even more than any of those things, there's a movement happening around the world where thousands of very talented people are beginning to say to themselves, listen, I don't think work is working for me. Uh, I want something different. This, this commute, this office politics, this environment of work isn't, what I, you know, isn't working best for me. There must be a better way. There's something different. And so, I mean, certainly our company received something like 30, 30 32,000 applications in the last 12 months. And we're just one relatively small player in the market. If you can imagine in the whole remote working domain, there are thousands and thousands of people applying for a different kind of work. They want something different. And that's driving things forward. It's, it's kind of an unstoppable force. And I think also companies are recognizing 
that they, it's in their interest to shift as well. I think there are a lot of positions now where companies are recognizing that a fractional position is, is often better than a full-time position because productivity is better relatively on a fractional basis. So I think that many companies are now are, are as interested in, in a flexible style of working as employees are. So I think there's just a, a force that's happening. And if we look into the future, I think that as we see technology evolving further in terms of cameras and display technology, one's ability to sort of see one's colleagues, to be able to interact with them, will become, you know, really not much different being in the office as, as in, a, in your home office. Whereas now we're interacting through it with everyone through a screen. We'll be seeing everyone basically on our walls in a very big way and it will change the, the dynamic. And then listen, I mean, with coronavirus on the news and, and climate change, I mean, <laughs> who wants to go out <laughs> anywhere anymore? So I think the, the incentive to work from home we're getting uh, bigger and faster. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, there's already talks going on about how coronavirus is forcing China to take the world's biggest remote work experiment. So I, yeah. I think this is going to be one of those turning points. And I definitely agree with you when you said that there's a movement that is happening. It's the new reality. My only concern here is, and I, I think you could just you know, help us address that question as well. If it is so popular, if it's happening in such a big scale, and if there are so many people who are interested in working remotely, why do I see this resistance in a lot of organizations who still do not adopt a, a remote first practice? Is there going to be an impact about this? And are, are there going to be specific winners or losers in the end? Uh, what, what do you think about organizations that are sort of resistant to this kind of a change? Because I definitely agree that there's this movement that's going on, but I don't see a lot of organizational culture, a lot of enterprises changing their practices rapidly. So what do you think about that? Well, I think what's, what's quite clear is that there are some fairly significant changes that need to be made in order to work remotely and work effectively remotely. So obviously smaller companies where the, the change is, is at a, a smaller scale are able to adapt to it more easily than enterprise level uh, companies where they've really got to make a massive shift across thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Um, so it could be that they will wait on the fence until more technologies become available to make it more uh, doable for them to do that. But I think the challenge for those companies is that the, the longer they leave it, the, the more left behind they become. And, and if we're in a race for the best talent, um, talent is, is naturally going to be choosing those companies which give them the option to work remotely. So, you know, any company that is not making that an option on some level it is, is going to be left behind. So, you know, companies are going to have to embrace a shift in the way they hire and the kind of, you know, attributes, personal attributes that they're looking for in people, way beyond skills. We're talking about actual, you know, ways of, uh, of, of being uh, that, that, you know, contribute to successful remote work. I think we're, we're going to, you have to see a change in management style. And I think that's perhaps at a, an enterprise level, the thing that's most fearful uh, I think that <clears throat> there's, there's got to be a shift from a sort of culture of management, being able to see what's going on to a culture of 
management on the basis of results. And that's going to take a shift in, you know, in mentality and a retooling and a retraining, you know, at a massive scale across, you know, very large organizations. And then culture. I mean, uh, culture has to change uh, in order for, for remote work to, to work. And, you know, it has to be thoughtful. It has to be different. It has to, you have to integrate both in-office workers with remote workers. Absolutely. I, I think I loved that, that statement that you made. The longer these companies leave remote work behind, the longer they're going to, you know, the farther they're going to be left behind. So if you don't adopt to change, if you don't adapt to change right now, you're going to be left behind big time. It's going to be like one of those technology movements that overturned fortunes for a lot of other companies as well. So it's going to be a shift in culture. It's going to be a shift in hiring practices. And since we're on the subject of hiring practices, I think, can you tell us a bit more about what are the challenges? What are the reasons that's stopping these companies from embracing remote work in the first place? Is there a different process to going about uh, hiring the right people? Are there specific challenges when you're hiring in a remote fashion? So what's really stopping these companies from embracing remote work in the first place? Well, I think what's interesting is that remote work is moving forward at a pace. And yet work and employment is still stuck in the dark ages. So the the burden and it, and this is just talking about regular employment <clears throat> whether it's in office or, or whatever is incredibly administrative burdensome right now the way the economy is the the lead time for hiring is is higher than three months so if you're a company wanting to move ahead quickly that delay is a real uh, drag factor on your ability to pursue your goals um the cost of hiring recruitment fees uh, at the moment, even for a basic level, you're talking pr probably around the $5,000 mark. And then the, the administrative burden, the, the payroll, the, the contracts, the insurance, the background checks, all of these things are you know, incredibly labor intensive. And again, that's just for regular employment. So now we talk about remote employment. We're often talking about employing someone in a different state. So then we're talking about now we're doing business in a different state. We've got to register foreign qualified to do business in another state. We're talking about setting up our corporation taxes, possibly sales taxes, licenses. Uh, and then on the employee side, we're talking about unemployment insurance. And even if we've got a payroll company or an, a PEO company to help us, there's only so much they can do. There's still many states where you as the company have got to do the setup work to make that happen. So there's a lot to be done. And we, we see it at our company who are basically specialized in making it easier for other companies where we're setting up in, in multiple states across the, the US, it, it's labor intensive. So you can imagine what that, that's like for smaller businesses that particularly don't have the expertise in how to, to you know, work with it it's a lot. Right, right. So a bunch of different problems that you mentioned here. I'm just going to quickly summarize those problems. There are issues of lead time, the cost to hire, the problem of taxation in different states in different countries, the legalities involved, there's insurance issues, there's payroll issues. So of course, you could go ahead with different vendors for that process. But then again, when you're hiring in a remote first fashion, you come across other challenges that have to be accounted for as well. These are not just legalities, but at the same time, the way you evaluate a person in a distant fashion, the way you evaluate them in 
in terms of how good they are in their communication and collaboration and management skills and how efficiently can they use these technology uh, tools to implement their work properly. So those are all challenges that I feel most companies are not ready for at this point. But like you said, you, you solve these challenges for a lot of companies, right? This is where your expertise lies. So is it possible for you, uh, for, for you to just share a couple of examples with us, any case study or any material that you might have where we can probably just go through a bunch of different companies who have hired remotely and what were their challenges or their outcomes like? Is that possible for you to do that right now? Let's try and pick some different size companies so that we can look at the impacts of those different sizes. So, you know, here, here's a, a, a massive multinational um, company actually sorry that's the wrong one let me move there uh, a, a multinational drink and brewing company so they um like many many companies are Im implementing a new initiative and need a, a talented person to work the employment marketplace as it is right now they've gone to their hr department and said we need someone to join our team and, and the uh, HR department is saying, well, good luck with that. Uh, it's going to take us at least three months to find someone for you. Uh, so the, you know, the director of, of that business unit is, is saying, I, I can't wait that long. I need to keep moving forward. So in this case, he was bold enough to, to experiment and try, with something, try something new. He came to us and said, hey, I'm looking for someone with strong sales and marketing experience. But what's really important is I need someone with industry experience because I need someone that can, you know, leap into to this work straight away and understands our, our business. Someone that can take a project and, and manage it and run forward. Now, he was pretty skeptical when he came to us. Um, thought it was highly unlikely that we were going to have the right kind of person for him. Wasn't even sure that this was going to work. Um, interestingly enough, we have someone on our team who has 20 years of sales and marketing experience at Pono Ricard, which is one of his company's major competitors, uh, and was just a, a, an absolute dream fit for him, the exact experience that he was looking for. So when we suggested uh, this person to him, his, he literally fell off his chair. His jaw was, uh, was, uh, was on the floor. A year later, they're still working together. The, the initial project that they, they launched was delivered ahead of schedule, you know, and it's worked incredibly well for them, mainly because it was easy, it happened quickly, exactly the right skills that they were looking for, and uh, very simple for them, just a simple monthly payment, uh, uh, you know, for the number of hours of, of our team member that they needed. Right. No, I, I see how that could be solving a real challenge for a lot of companies because, you know, even so, so we're just a small company, but we work with a bunch of clients and we do come across uh, situations where a company is starting a new initiative, a new project, probably a new mm -hmm. vertical or a new product they're trying to launch in a different market. And they instantly need someone who is both experienced and skilled. So I believe getting that right person can often take anywhere from three to six months in, in my personal experience. And if you have someone on the rules already, that just solves a lot of problems for a lot of companies. I'm pretty sure about that. So that, that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I, I'll let, let you take it from here now. Well, the, the one thing to add on, on in terms of what you were saying was that I, I do think that people care about their people. And, and I think that to an extent, um, business managers are reluctant to take on uh, employees when they're, they're uncertain about when something is going to work or not. So there's a new initiative that you want to put into place. You're not sure whether it's going to pan out. Now, if you have to worry about 
bringing someone on board, or if that delay is going to be three to six months, it's going to really impact on your ability to be agile, responsive, experiment, try try new things. Whereas if you can work with a company that can give you someone very quickly, where if for whatever reason in three to six months it doesn't work out, that the person involved isn't going to lose out in any way. They'll be reassigned to a, a new wonderful client within a matter of days. So there, there's, there's much less sort of risk or much less um, concern when you're, when you're working in this style. It, it, it allows for more agility and scaling up and scaling down, all of the things that businesses need to be, to be you know, responsive. Right, I agree completely. I think that's one part I had not thought about before because uh, yes, absolutely, even before you hire someone, you have to be completely sure whether uh, you know, this particular position or department is gonna exist in the future or not. But a lot of times we're just experimenting with a new particular new market and we just need someone to come here to take it over for the next couple of months, try it out, and if it doesn't work out, we just have to be flexible enough to let go of that person. And I think that's a real problem that's being solved here. So yeah, interesting. So if we look at, look at a different kind of company, so this is a medium-sized business, they're an international uh, management consulting firm. Here's an example of where you had a, a sort of productivity issue, where you've got senior executives, um, you know, managing partners who are, um, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. They're, they're spending their time on expense management and booking meetings and, pla- and booking their travel. Their time is better you know, put to higher leverage things. Um, so they identified that and, and decided to bring in some executive support for their for their team. What was interesting in, in this case is th- this is a sort of a business which is operating in the largest cities like New York, San Francisco, where real estate is very expensive, office space is very expensive. So this was a, a position which clearly didn't need to be done in office. It could be done very well uh, remotely. Um, so here was an opportunity to actually Uh, not only gain effectiveness, but also save considerably on a a comparable in-office position. So they came to us, explained what they needed, high-level executive support, someone that can do complex travel planning, complex uh, scheduling with high-level executives. Um, Again, they came with a, 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 a slight amount of skepticism that we would have someone good enough um, and again, we blew them out of the water because we have someone on our team who is uh, an executive assistant for 10 years at McKinsey, which is like the one of the premium management consulting companies in the world. So again, it was jaw on the floor. Uh, wow, uh, you've got this amazing person which, who was able to be in place within a week. In fact, the, 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 what, what happened was it was so successful was that we now have three team members working in their business and supporting more than 20 of their managing partners, saving you know, hundreds of hours of wasted uh, executive time or on things that uh, an executive support level system can be can be handling for them. Interesting, interesting, Matt. Uh, I do have a concern here, and you know, you could just help me out with this. I believe uh, the role of an executive assistant it, it's it's a very sensitive role because of the kind of access that they have to information and data. So, what kind of background verification, what kind of quality assurance or data security measures uh, do you have in place to address those concerns? Because uh, yes. I do feel that someone with access to that level of information would need to be 
you know, need to be verified properly and need to have some sort of security and data, you know, data and privacy controls in place. So, you know, anything you could tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is a, a you know a significant concern for many companies, particularly larger companies that need to be compliant uh, with the SEC or, or whatever. There, there are certain compliance uh, things that they need to follow. And so, yes, absolutely. Our team go through a very rigorous background checking process. That's our process. Clients can then apply their own background checking process on top if they'd like to. Uh, we have very thorough and, and detailed contracts and, and non-disclosures and things like that. Again, clients can add those on, on top uh, if, if they'd like. We have um, security measures in place. Uh, all connections are secure through uh, VPN, um, things like that, to, to ensure that connections into client systems are secure. You know, I think that it's it's oftentimes a, a matter of establishing a trusting relationship, seeing that someone has the you know a proven track record of maintaining confidentiality for their for their clients uh, at a senior level. We're not talking about throwing in junior team members into a senior kind of role. These are senior. 10 to 15 year executive assistants that have been supporting very, very senior uh, executives. So um, yeah, that, that, that trust is key. Perfect. I, th- I think that does address a lot of the concerns that even might have, but uh, it, it definitely makes a really strong case on why a lot of our hiring going forward should be subscription driven, should be uh, built and structured in a way where it's uh, not just flexible, but also available on demand, because I think we're moving towards that model very soon, where we would need everything uh, immediately. We, I, I don't think something like hiring can wait three to six months, especially in a fast moving environment where you have uh, lots of decisions to be made instantly, and you would like to experiment, you would like to be an agile company. So I definitely see the value here. This is pretty interesting. And what's interesting is it's not just beneficial for the companies it's really beneficial for the team members. And you know what was quite interesting is about a year ago, we, we surveyed our team. We're, we're a 100% remote company. So all of our team works remotely. Everyone works you know, in a way that's flexible, that works for them, uh, for their lives, basically. So we thought doing that survey, well, of course, that the, the reason that, or the thing that's gonna be most important to them is that flexibility, is that, that remote work. But we were wrong. What we discovered is what's most important to our team is the ongoing learning that comes from supporting two to three different clients. Each of our team often will work fractionally and support a number of clients. So they're always learning. They're always growing. They're they're working with companies that are evolving and, and developing. They're learning new things. It's interesting. They choose the clients they get to work with. So they're very committed to the work they're doing and excited by it. So it's really a win-win. It works for the clients and it works for the team. And it's that sort of uh, serendipitous cycle, if you like, that makes it even stronger for everybody involved. And that's why, you know, we're not talking about oftentimes short, a short-term relationship here. Our, our team work with clients for two to three years. We have clients that have been working this way for eight years or 10 years. So, you know, it's, it, it works. Work works this way. And that's what's so exciting about it. I think that's evidence enough that it works, like you said. And uh, it can be made to work for a lot of those uh, critics out there, for a lot of companies which are still hesitant to take the plunge and try out 
uh, distant of remote work practices, especially in a subscription fashion. I think this is ample evidence that it definitely works. And I, I just love the way you've talked about your team and how your entire distributed team uh, is the most happiest when it comes to learning on the go and the constant growth potential. That's what keeps them most excited and keeps them motivated to continue doing great work. I think that's pretty amazing as well. One, one thing that I would say to any hiring manager or any you know business owner that's considering it is think of it this way. It's, it's actually counterintuitive. You, you think um, that you're having to sort of give, give something away to, to your, your employees by, by doing this. Um, but by, by making work work for them, they give back exponentially in a way that you can't possibly imagine. The, their commitment level, their productivity, their investment in making this work, in making your business work, is, is something way over and above the, the sort of, the, there's, a, there's a, a, an extra com, hidden component to it that you don't imagine is going to be there, but that, that really pays back when you go that way. When you make work work, your team will make work work for you. Yeah, I, th I think that makes perfect sense that don't think of this as a privilege or a perk that you're offering to your people. Think of this as the freedom to let them work from wherever and however they prefer to do that because that's when they will come back and they'll give their everything to the company and make sure that they make work work for you. So that's pretty interesting. I think, I think that's a great ideology to follow. Can we talk a bit more about companies which are not doing this and what does the future have in store for them? What, what's really going to happen uh, over the next couple of years? Because I'd see that you, you've got a ton of experience for almost a decade now. So what is the next uh, couple of years? What does the future look like for companies which are not uh, openly exploring this as an opportunity? What does that look like? Well, as I say, I think it's going to become harder and harder. I mean, it's hard enough already to find good people even today. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to become, I would say, nigh on impossible to find uh, good people. Right, absolutely. So uh, when it comes to people specifically, what, what are, and, and we're trying to, you know, switch the topic here slightly, but what are these uh, people looking for when it comes to a fulfilling role? Because uh, I imagine you, you get a ton of applications, like you said, a ton of people who want to work with you. So what are their concerns? What are they looking for? What are their priorities? And what kind of opportunities are they in the market for? What are they seeking at this point? Because that will help us understand the other side of the story as well. Sure. So, I mean, what you're talking about, you, you've got people that um, want to work remotely, who you know think that this would be good for them, and, and it may be. Um, and you've got people that really need uh, to work remotely. So you've got a, a huge um, spread of, of the workforce that are perhaps mothers, that are perhaps uh, military spouses or caregivers or, or what have you that need to work in a way that's flexible. So, you know, this is, uh, if you ignore this section of the population, you're either, you're going to have one of two things. You're going to have these people who are trying to work in a traditional way, but they're not able to give it their best because a fixed traditional schedule of commuting doesn't work with their uh, obligations to their family or, or what have you. But if you make it work for them, then suddenly there's a whole section of the population who is able to come back into the workplace bring in a tremendous amount of experience 
uh, and be really effective, uh, uh, you know, and wonderful team members. I mean, our team members are a perfect example. You've got many mothers who have uh, an incredible resume of, of experience, but this is this remote style of working is really the only way of working that will work for them because uh, of their of their schedules. So, uh, you know, military spouses are another terrific example of you know of a of a population because they're they're moving every few years traditional uh, employment is often very difficult for them or employers rather will not give them an opportunity because they're moving uh, so frequently these are incredible people not only they with incredible skills but with incredible soft skills they've developed over the course of their their life experience so the com- companies are just missing out on, on incredible people by not considering this way of, of working. Um, you know, and I think that people are more and more, as I said at the beginning, looking for a way to make work work for them in a way that does with the rest of their life. There's not life over here and work over here. The two need to fit together in a way that is holistic works holistically. I agree 100%. I think uh, the whole concept of work and life balance needs to be revisited. It needs to uh, become more intricate and more uh, assimilated in the sense that it goes together and it's not segregated, which we were used over the past century, so to speak. But uh, I I really want to talk a little bit more about what you said, uh, make work work. So how does boldly make it work really? Because I see that you guys are pioneering the whole concept of people as a service. And he said that companies and businesses should start taking advantage of a concept like that. So how does that really work? How do we go about this? Uh, a small to medium slash, you know, even a, a big scale enterprise or a business, how do they go about uh, making the most uh, making the most out of these tools and these services that you're offering? How does that really work? Well, again, let's take a, a very practical example. So we have a client who's a, a small marketing agency in, in Washington state. They have uh, three people on their team. Um, they're growing, they're expanding, they're, they're doing great. They're, they're, they're getting more business. They need an additional person. As we said already, the wait time to find someone, if you can even find someone, is very, very hard. And for a small business um, that's having to, um, you know, suddenly figure out the complexities of, of hiring in a different state or, or the complexities of insurance and, and, and details like that, it, it's, it's cumbersome. So for, for a company like that, that, that comes and, and tries out subscription staffing, they're able to specify exactly the skills that they're looking for. They're able to specify exactly the kind of person that they're looking for, the kind of person that's going to be a good fit into their culture. So for a small business where you've only got a few few team members, that cultural fit is it's so important. You can't bring someone in that's going to you know, just not work with the, with the rest of the team. So um, you know, cultural fit, skills, able to get started quickly. So in, in this example of this small marketing agency, they told us they needed someone very experienced. We were able to um, match them with a, one of our team members that had 15 or 20 years of experience in, in marketing who was able to jump in and take responsibility and start operating very quickly. And a, a year later, the, the founder of that marketing agency is actually now taking six months maternity leave 
and our team member is running the agency uh, for her in her absence. Something that she could not even have you know, imagined a, a year ago that something like that would be possible. She thought she would have had to close her business down if she had to take time off like that. So, you know, the, the, those are just real practical examples. Uh, you know, I think it's all about ease. We've, we see with the subscription economy that basically we can get anything on a subscription now, whether it's our software, it's information, it's equipment, it's so easeful. So why does it have to be so difficult when it comes to employment? Why can't that be as easy as well? Why can't you know, um, people as a service exist in exactly the same way as software as a service exists? You know, people are still, you know, we're not, we're not talking about people that are not being taken care of by this. You know, people often think of um, gig economy, contracting, and they, they're worried about the fact that people aren't getting benefits, that they're, you know, having to spend a lot of their time uh, finding new clients, things like that. So the, in the subscription uh, staffing model, the, the team members are in our employees. So they're well taken care of, they have benefits, they're, they're retained, but they get this, all the sort of good benefits of the gig economy, the flexibility, the ability to work remotely, and the ability to choose their clients. So it's really a win-win. A for, for everybody. I think that that distinction that you made was pretty important, especially, you know, because even I was slightly confused there about the distinction of saying that how a subscription staffing company works very differently than what we're used to in, this, in, the, in the most common sense of a gig economy or freelancer economy. So all those benefits that people are used and they should be getting, that's definitely there because when I'm uh, using a service like Boardly for people as a service, I believe that I'm accessing talent on demand and immediately but that talent is being taken care of uh, properly because they're actually employees of your company so that, that slight distinction is definitely very important and that ensures that i'm uh, like you said i'm getting the best people they're amazing cultural fit and there are beautiful stories all around it so that, that's pretty interesting as a concept i believe and uh, uh, you know so so how do these companies yeah it's a vital distinction, particularly for larger businesses. So if you're, if you're taking on people at a, in an enterprise or medium-sized level, compliance is really important to you. You don't want to risk employee misclassification or to have those kind of risks. So the subscription staffing model where you've got a compliance solution is the best of both worlds. The employment compliance is taken care of and you get all of, and yet you get all of the benefits of a quick hire that can be still long-term, has all the skills that you're looking for, win-win-win on, on both sides. Absolutely. So it's on-demand, it's immediate, it's got all the benefits as well, and it is you know uh, compliant with the regulatory laws as well. So I think that that seems like a win-win for everyone involved here, all the stakeholders. Uh, anything you would like to add, anything that you would like to share with our audience today here? <clears throat> no, just uh, do find out more about it. I, I mean, this is a new concept, which is a little uh, sometimes... It, the simplicity of it, interestingly enough, sometimes boggles people's minds. They, they're, they're sort of, this is so simple. How, how is this even, how can this be? Um, so it is simple. It does work. Uh, come and visit us at boldly.com, B-O-L-D-L-Y.com. 
and uh, you know explore subscription staffing and find out uh, more about it we have some interesting videos that explain the the concept and you can find out more about how it works